Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Fundamentalist Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I am here once again with Peter Rollins. I hope you missed us. We're back. Don't worry about it. Feel comfortable. Sit back. Enjoy. Take a load off a little bit. If you're in the car listening to our voices, I hope Just you have. Just close your eyes. Close relax. your eyes. Breathe in deeply. Mm-hmm. Just let all the troubles, the cares, the noises go away. Don't pay yeah. attention to the honking horn or the screaming babies. Just just keep on plowing through. Do your thing. Please don't do that um, unless you really want to. And if you're at home watching this on video, thank you so much. Uh, this will be going up this week. I will be in Orlando and Tampa next week, Pete. Fantastic. And I'm not afraid to, to, to say so. Uh, on July. Yeah, on July 14th, I'll be at the Tampa Improv. On July 15th, I'll be at the Orlando Improv. And then I head off to Nashville, Tennessee, not to do a show, but to spend time with my brother and my dad. And we are going to go to Monster Jam. Yeah, you were telling me about this. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Big trucks, basically. Big, big big trucks that go, they they run over things. Right. I'm beyond excited. Are there rules? I have no idea. Is it a game? Is it a game? Game? No clue. A sport? I think it's more like stunts. Stunts. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like big, yeah. So I'm pretty stoked it's about It's kind of like wrestling. Yes. Maybe like kind of like choreography, a kind of like yeah. an interesting choreography. Yeah, something yeah. could go wrong, but they're all very well trained and hopefully well protected. And it's just a big, loud arena of people shouting at things. And that's all I want these days. Yeah, I yeah. just want just some kind of <laughs> chaos. Um, so I'm super stoked about that. But we'll be in Florida. If you guys would like to come say hi, please do. Uh, now... Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay. Uh, what's been going on in my life? What's been going on? I don't know. Well, one of the highlights was, which you're going to be talking about, is pro- I think is a segue to today's conversation. Yes. As I was hanging out with you and Grace the other yes. day. For like um, the first time, just coming over. Just coming over, just hanging out, which might be a shock to people who are listening to this. We're all recluses. Yeah, we're all recluses. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um, it was 4th of July. There were fireworks yeah. going off. There was really beautiful fireworks, to be honest. I, I think you and Grace didn't get as much out of it as yeah, I we did. Were, we were, I didn't see very much at all, just a few. Yeah, it was know, nice. Europe, I'm always yeah. like, oh, there they are. And then, yeah, both y'all were like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're fireworks. <laughs> but you had a good yeah. time. I had a great time. Fantastic. What did we do? Um, well, interesting. We did a few things. One of them was tarot cards. Uh, yeah. You and Grace uh, enjoy tarot. Do enjoy it, yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of that, and that is going to be the theme of today. We're going to look at Tara. We're going to look at it potentially from some, you know, you're going to talk a little bit about what you think. I'll talk a little bit about what I think. And Great. I'm, I love it. I've got, I, I want to talk about truth. That's the big thing. I think there's really interesting Beautiful. things is how we, how we, how do we confront the truth and all that. So Tara is it. I and, love it. Uh, Cause it was, uh, you know, I thought. It's relevant. Yeah. Relevant to our interests. I uh, I enjoy tarot very much. I did not used to enjoy tarot. I didn't used mm. to enjoy any sort of uh, new agey things, but I got- Satanic things. Satanic things. But I got into it because my uh, my partner is in, was into it, and I thought when we first started dating, hey, she's very cute, and so therefore her interests became my interests. Mm. And uh, also, I remember the first time we did uh, tarot reading, it was at our NoHo apartment, and mm. she, I was- as she was doing it, I was like, I need you to know on the satanic note, I was like, I need, need you to know this is creep, that this stuff creeps me out. Like mm-hmm. I was raised that this is not all, this is all bad. This is all the bad stuff. And, uh, and as she was shuffling the cards, card fell out, always a fun thing in tarot and you flipped it over and it was the devil card. Um, and I had just said, I think I was raised to think this is devil stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that was very funny to me. And I was like, okay, this is, it was, it was fun. And it had, uh, there was a sense of humor in the event. And I, since then I was always like, okay, this is great. 
Now, since then, of course, I'm not very into tarot. However, I know enough about it. And for those of you who don't know, essentially there is a deck of cards that um, have sort of mythological images on them, sort of archetypal or like gothic or whatever. You can get any kind of theme you want. There's all different suits or whatever. There's the wands and the chalices. There's the royal. It's sort of like a deck of cards. And then you sort of pass them out, and you might have, you know, one column is your past, one column is your present, one column is your future. And then the reader and the recipient will go through and talk about what each might or might not mean. If a card is reversed, that can mean something. Or it may not. If a card falls out, it may mean something. Or it may not. And so it's a fun little way to sort of express what's going on with you psychologically. I believe the term is apperception test. Am I right with that? It's sort of people look at a painting. You can look at something and you can give a backstory to it um, that is reveals what's going on with you unconsciously because you are using story and all this stuff to sort of construct what's happening in the background and verbalize what's happening in the background. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And the other thing sometimes is it's just great. It's just wonderful. And then you're like, oh, this one nailed it. And then you go, oh, this one didn't nail it. But uh, what I like about it, and my favorite parts on uh, Sunday was uh, at one point, Grace was, she know, I was like, Grace, read your scars. It'll be fun. And uh, she, she said something. Um, about like, hey, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's silly. And you were like, why do you keep saying that it's silly? Mm. And then that ended up, I think, sticking in her head a little bit because, and I think her answer, which I was not expecting to be her answer, was because this stuff is silly uh, and it has sort of a sense of humor about it. And I remember being like, huh, okay, that's interesting that she would say that. And then when we talked later, uh, the next day, she was like, yeah, it's interesting because some people haven't grown up in a big religious environment in any way. And so when people, I think certain people are seeking guidance or they're at a difficult part of their lives and they don't have any kind of viable religion or maybe they're part of a religion, but they don't get anything out of it. uh, Tarot, these types of things can become a way of just sort of like putting, kind of putting a distance between all the chaos happening in your brain uh, and and allowing you to give space for it. And I think that's very nice. And it was interesting to hear her because I was like, oh yeah, she doesn't have, she didn't, she wasn't raised in sort of a, a deeply religious environment. So she doesn't have a lot of that baggage. So if, I was like, okay, so it would make sense that it could be kind of silly because there's a lightheartedness to it because she hasn't experienced the other side of this stuff where people can be very, uh, it could become very oppressive and very constricting. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, I also, uh, you know, she had maybe a certain perception of me as a skeptic. And so it was interesting to me that that she was expressing a, a skeptical part of herself through thinking that potentially I would be mm-hmm. skeptical. That was something we also talked about, and that was very yep, interesting. That's what, yeah, she was like, well, you know, he's like a philosopher, and he's like really smart. And I just, I don't want him to like think he's, you know, stupid. And like <laughs> that kind of thing. I was like, it's fine. It's all fun. Everything's good. All fun. Very good. Well, I... So yeah, the th- the, so the thing I was going to talk about this week, which connects with tarot, so I'll start with that, um, and, uh, is that last week I ended my kind of reflections by telling a story about a friend of mine, which I'll just recap very briefly. Um, it was a story, and I told him about this actually last week. I said, oh, by the way, I used an example 
from your past, didn't mention who you were or anything, but just checking it's okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah. But he was also said, well, you never told me that you read it in this way. So that was interesting. We chatted about it. Wait, but so what was it? It was my friend who, he got very into 9-11 truth oh, yes, stuff. Yes, 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 yes. So at that time, and, and it was really weird because he wasn't even American. He's from mm-hmm. the UK, uh, but he got really into it. And what was happening in his life is the love and work. And Freud says, by the way, the, the cure is helps us love and work well. So when, basically we're trying to, to love and work well, but love and work, uh, love and labor in his life were collapsing. And they were collapsing because of this kind of massive invisible force of, of global capitalism and uh, the greed of certain people, whatever. And it was so traumatizing that his life was falling apart. He, and he, at the same time, found what you could call as a, what they call in uh, the art world, was a find object, which is where, um, I don't know if you know Marcel Duchamp's urinal. No, that doesn't even sound, I know urinals. Oh yeah, well, what he did is he took one and, he, <clears throat> and this very famous piece of art, uh, he put it into a gallery. And by doing that, the urinal, still urinal, but now it's sublimated and it's something else. It's a, it's a work of art, while at the same time he has done nothing to it except for sign a, a yeah. fake name on it. Um, and so in the same way, my friend has was having this trauma in his life. And so he found basically a, a found object, uh, a narrative that was out in the world at the time. And it was a Twin Towers, because the Twin Towers of his life were collapsing. And so now he was obsessed with the Twin Towers collapsing and this dark organization behind it, controlling it, et cetera, et cetera. The two tower, one being... Love. Romantic. And work. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so what happened is for me, and I didn't tell him at the time. Yeah, when both, go, when both those in our lives go down at the same time, that's it's, tough. It's tough. It's very, very tough. That's worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. And this was happening in a very traumatic way, forces beyond his control. Like mm-hmm. it was a global recession, 2008 recession, so it was a nightmare. And... The re- and I, could, I didn't tell him at the time, but it helped me understand what was going on and it helped me be a better friend to him because it helped. I, I understood the way he talked about 9-11 helped me understand how he felt, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason why I didn't tell him directly is because we can't handle the truth. That's the movie that says that, isn't it, in the Jack Nicholson? But we can't handle the truth. Few good men. We, we, yeah, few good men. But the, the truth is we can't handle the truth. That's a very existential notion that that too much truth will kill us. Um, there's an old religious saying, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Yeah, I think that line was actually uh, changed in improv uh, in the scene. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it, it was a slightly different line. And mm. I think he said it wrong and they kept that. Because it was very well very said. Fun. It's a very powerful line. Yeah. And it's so powerful because it's so true. I could be wrong there, but I believe yeah. I read that on some Instagram movie fact page. But anyway, yeah. Uh, very good. Well, it, it does hit very hard. And it's because... That that religious notion is like actually truth confronting our truth frees us, but a direct confrontation with the truth kills us. It's just too much. So what we often do is we find another site with which to tell the truth. So for my friend, he, the other site, the other scene was the 9/11 truther mm-hmm. scene, where he could speak the truth without being overcome by the truth. Now, the reason why I'm sharing that... Oops, wow. Is, I don't think in years of doing this podcast I've ever left my phone not on? on silent. Apologies. Uh, I didn't hear it. Okay, uh, well, no. Ne- yeah. never happened. Leave it Leave it in, Cam. Leave it in. Good <laughs> part. Um, so, yeah, with, uh, with Taro, I think something similar is going on. That 
that what we do is is we find another site with ready mades these yeah. objects, these images, to to kind of like be able to confront the truth that we repress. But the more interesting thing about tarot is you're open to receiving the truth back. So the reader, if the reader's good and the cards are are, are productive and the, mm-hmm. the person reading them is creative, you can basically they you facilitate a conversation with yourself. Yep. Basically, the role of the reader is to if they're not like a true believer, is to facilitate a curiosity and a conversation with the other's unconscious. Yeah, tarot cards are just really fun point to the where on the doll they touched you. <laughs> like, uh, it's, I can't handle this truth. So yeah, uh, that the yes. ace of, you know, three of wands. Yes. That is, yes. Ah, that's it. That's the, yeah. I like yeah. that. Uh, well, what was your, did you, uh, I mean, I'm assuming now, obviously, you you have been completely transformed by and now live in a state of euphoria regarding yes. your experience mm-hmm. with tarot. Um, unfortunately, at that point in the nighttime, I don't remember much about it. See, I, I remember uh, all the tarot readings and the, but I remember yours and Grace's. I don't know if I remember mine. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about mine? Oh, I remember. Uh, oh, we yeah. don't have to go into that. Yeah. See, well, this is, the, this is the thing is that the great thing about tarot is if you do it right, like any of this stuff, it tells you so much truth that that is disconcerting and you can't share. I'd rather you know? not. <clears throat> yeah, no, of course not. Of course uh, not, because it's too true. It was <laughs> so fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's what I like. Yeah, and yeah. it can be so on point sometimes. And then other times it can be like, eh, this is nothing. But when it works, it works. And yeah, I think it works for, for the reason yeah. you're saying. It becomes a way for people to access what's going on in a way that it doesn't traumatize them, essentially. Because yes. it's, cause it's, it confirms, which is nice. It can be confirma- confirmation bias too. And or a, that's what I thought. Okay, great. It can be encouraging as well, which is the same idea. It's like, we're all just looking for an outside thing to go, see, this is yes. what it is. Yeah. And that, yeah, so and when it's encouraging, that's it. So when it's encouraging, you're definitely encountering a part of yourself, but the more interesting bit is whenever you're disturbed, I think that's where you're encountering a truth. I mean, and it can be disturbed yes. in a good way. It can be disturbed as in, but basically if you do a good reading, the person feels that they are, they're in, their inner soul is being revealed to themselves. You know? Yeah, um, I like how we timed that adjustment together. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah uh, that's mimetic. You know that people copy each other whenever um, they're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny what you see when it happens, but <clears throat> the uh, it's synced up. Um, Freud was uh, said that dreams are the royal road to the unconscious. Mm-hmm. Jung said complexes are the royal road to the unconscious because when a complex is activated, uh, when you become not yourself over something because you're lashing out, uh, that points to a truth, an unconscious truth that's happening. So if I would imagine if you're reading some, you're getting a reading from a tarot person, you're getting a, uh, which by the way, I will say, I do love the spectacle of it. I love the, the you know, light a candle and there's fireworks going off and it's all fun and cozy and nice. There's cheese. A uh, very important part of tarot is always yeah, have cheese, cheese yeah, available. Yeah. Maybe that's why my stomach's been messed up. But anyway, there's cheese. Uh, and then I think, yeah, it allows you to just go, excuse me, puts you in a slightly different state mentally. And then 
opens up that part of your brain a little bit, and then you start feeling uncomfortable with one of the cards, and then that is most likely something's been activated, something's going, uh-oh, and that uh-oh has something to say 99% of the time, maybe 100% of the time. And uh, yeah, it's very yeah. fun. And there was a bit of that on Sunday night. There was a bit of, I think, this the card speaking. You know? Well, the part we're not talking about, Pete, is we kicked you out shortly after you read the cards because I said, actually, too creepy. You need to get out of here. And then you planted your own chick tracks all over my home, which I still don't know how or when you did that. And I'm still finding them. Found one in my backpack. And I didn't even clean my office before you came over. I probably should have organized that a little bit. The rug was all disjointed and that was embarrassing. So I was already off kilter. And like, days, this is going horribly. And then I come out and there's tracks with the rapture all over it and i was like okay and i reread it by the way and it's very good oh, oh thank you yeah. thank you yeah um very good uh yeah we were talking about yes why we need rituals like you're saying lighting a candle and Love the tarot because that's the other thing is if the truth sets us free but we can't have an unmediated confrontation with the truth because it's just too disturbing then you have to find a mediated form of encountering the truth, so mediation through something, and so whether it's tarot, whether it's other religious rituals or art or analysis, something that allows you to, to confront the truth from the back, not seeing yep. the face of truth and dying, but seeing the truth from the back, and, um, and therefore being able to, to be able to kind of start to integrate it. So my friend, interestingly, when I talked to him about the 9-11 thing, and we talked about that, point in his life oh yeah 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 it was kind of going like oh yeah so what he had to gradually do was he had to gradually learn a way to bring that light to, to speak up about himself so uh -huh. at first it was put out onto the the truth or stuff and then gradually over the course of a year he was able to make sense of it in his own life and then to be honest then he just dissipated the the conspiracy thing just went away because regardless of this truth or falsity what it was providing for him was a way of putting his own trauma onto another scene Yeah, to be able to see it. That reminded me of, I don't know, maybe it was some Campbell thing or <clears throat> the, the idea of the, uh, it's like what he went through in a year is the equivalent of going from uh, believing in Greek gods that are dictating your life that are, you know, you're completely powerless to the gods then basically becoming unconscious, still existing within your brain and uh, wreaking havoc. And you just sort of learn over, with him it was a year, but for us it was a long time where all of them just became, all that stuff on the outside became more and more psychological. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what he said, but yeah. it was the general idea of it. But yeah, it's like he's he looked to the outside world, which is a really great, as I say this, I'm staring directly at like the tallest building and one of the tallest buildings in Los Angeles. But the uh, the idea of uh, going, okay, it's there, it's out there. I understand that thing, but I'm separate from it. And then going, let me take this internal and start using it that way. Beca can become real productive, it seems like. Yeah. He was, was he mad at you? He was mad. I had no, no, because it was years later, thankfully. I would, well, like maybe at the time, you have to be careful about this stuff, as you said, because, yeah, because people can be angry. If you, if you speak too much truth to somebody, that it's, and so it's quite. It's, oh, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I can tell you. Yeah. 
you got to switch that off. But 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 once but years later, it's fine. So we we're chatting about having a laugh about it. Good. Like, yeah, yeah. Happy um, ending. Happy ending. Yeah, and he's doing really well now. He's helping me with crypto. He's got into the crypto world, and he's helped me understand that world. And have um, you said maybe you should, you know, don't look at crypto so much and start thinking about what crypto you have on the inside? <laughs> What's going on mentally? That yeah. is your crypto. Uh, well, that is, I mean, that's the nature of projection. It's probably something in yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> it was Feuerbach, he was like the, one of the, and this is why I like Feuerbach a lot, but he was one of the first philosophers to, to explicitly, systematically define projection, where he talked about how in order for, you, for humanity to come to know itself, it first has to put itself out somewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Then it sees that externally and then eventually it has to pull it back in so his notion of the kind of like religious god is is the projection Mm of humanity writ large and he thought it was necessary because in order to come to know yourself you have to first see yourself outside yourself Mm -hmm. and now this is a central notion to uh, infant development that we come to know ourselves in a mirror we first have to see ourselves externally and that's why even to this day, well, as adults, people look at celebrities and they idolize celebrities and they see, you know, they externalize parts of themselves yeah. and others and all of that. But yeah, it was Feuerbach who, who really kicked off that notion. I um, I see, I, I follow certain accounts on Instagram that are like more Hollywood and mainstream and I, I'll sometimes click on the comments to see what people are saying. And some of the familiarity with which people speak about celebrities is some of the weirdest. Like uh, they have real opinions yeah. on like what celebrities should and shouldn't do, and think they know them. And it's like, oh man, these people really are projecting onto celebrity yeah. life. Like what's going on? Like I had a thing. No happened. way the celebrity gives a crap what you are saying. Yeah, I had a thing a few weeks ago. It's really funny, but it's like some people, somebody was um, so sure about what I was thinking and how I was responding to something. And it was so far from the truth, but I was seeing this and I was like, my goodness, you're having a conversation. You think you're having a conversation with me, but you're you're having a conversation with a part of yourself because it's just like, it was just so, so weirdly foreign. And yeah, that's the Mm -hmm. thing. So whenever you know what a, say a celebrity thinks, whatever, nine times out of 10, what, what you can do is you can go, oh, is that, a conversation I'm having with myself. Like, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Am I alone in the room right now? Yeah. Is yeah. the call coming from inside the house? <laughs> uh, yeah. I um dude, I gotta tell you. So I uh I watched this documentary uh last night and it's I didn't know how rough it was gonna be. Mm. It was a tr- it was a dark, traumatic documentary, but I'm gonna talk about it. Uh it's called Tell Me Who I Am. Have you heard about this? No. It's like from 2019 or something. This is a story about two uh, identical twins. And it picks up very beginning with a motorcycle accident that happens to one of the twins. Uh, His helmet comes off and he hits his head and he loses as a result. He goes into a coma. When he comes out, cannot remember anything. Mm -hmm. But he has an identical twin. This is what I was thinking about because you mentioned the mirror phase. Mm. He's going, that looks like me. And he goes, that's all I know. I know that I can trust this person because that is me. And okay, right. I, I don't know that this person is my mother and I don't know this person is my father and I don't know this is my bed or this is my home. And he had no recollection. So over the course, this is he's 18. 
Mm. Over the course of several years, uh, he learns to sort of either fake that he um, uh, knows people or he, he you know, kind of mixes the two, kind of knows them a little bit from where he's at now, but then really doesn't. He gets reintegrated into society and he does, you know, I, he comes off pretty well-functioning, I guess. And uh, and he makes a joke in it at one point that uh, he actually re-met his girlfriend. And then so the joke is that he lost his virginity twice to the same girl because he couldn't remember any of it. Mm. And uh, his brother, his identical brother, was always the person he would go to to get information so that he could understand what was what was happening in his own history and his older brother would show him old photos and say, he, you know, uh, and then his, he would watch a lot of TV. He'd watch a lot of sitcoms. He'd go, okay, families, they sit, he'd see a commercial for soup and they'd be like, okay, this is what happens with a family. They all sit around the table every night and they laugh and they joke around and they ask how each other's day was and they go on vacations and he go, oh yeah, we, uh, we went on some, some vacations. He starts showing them vacations. He starts showing them these photographs of them at the beach. Um, and then he starts constructing memories around these photos. You would love this. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. That's as happy as the story gets. Yeah, right. It turns out that the identical brother uh, lied about... Wow. Well, I didn't either. I didn't turn it off. My goodness. And it's happening at such uh, interesting times. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... His identical brother has been lying to him about pretty much everything. And he starts to realize that his brother's been lying to him as his father is dying. His father, who was never really uh, interested in them, didn't really talk, acted like he didn't know them, ignored them a lot, sat at the table, did whatever. Uh, apparently, they came from a very aristocratic uh, background. Uh, as his father is dying, he's got both of his sons in front of him and says, "Just, I just want you to forgive me. The son who's suffered the trauma uh, of, of falling off the motorcycle says, of course, yes, I forgive you. And then the other son says, no, and I will never forgive you. And they walk out. And he's like, why on earth would you say this to this guy? What, what, why would you do that? It's an old man. Just get over it. Come to find out, uh, uh-oh, you know, it gets darker and darker yeah, and darker. Yeah. And you can yeah. put the pieces together. And then it actually was that the father was uh, not a perpetrator of the event. It was the mother that was the perpetrator. And all the photos from vacations, the parents weren't there. They'd been sent off with other families. And uh, it was horrible and the third act of the documentary is them discussing kind of the moral like preferences where one of them is going yeah i lied to him i would hope somebody lied to me i got to free him from that trauma i got to uh and by doing that i got to not have that trauma anymore i got to not feel like my parents were these horrible abusers and uh and so, yeah, I lied, and I'm sorry I lied. He was like, I, I betrayed him. Uh, and his brother was like, no, you're the only person I could have trusted. You're the only person. Why wouldn't you tell me all the truth? And he, see, he saw it as a gift. He was like, it's a gift for me not to tell you uh, how horrible things actually were and perverse and terrible. And he was like, he was like that. Uh, some people will say, you know, the truth will set you free, and the truth is always whatever, and the truth is blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he goes, I was not ready myself. If I told him what how it actually was, I would have had to have confronted it, and I wasn't ready to do that. And then at the end, they sort of sit down for the first time, and it's really incredible, but it was like a holy shnit. Mm. See, that's interesting because right, so tra trauma is precisely what can't be spoken. So the weird thing is what would happen if you told someone, if 
this person has a complete reset kind of in there because of brain damage. Um, and then you tell the, some traumatic things that happened in the past. Um, would that traumatize them? Because, and, well, my argument is I, I think it would traumatize, it would have re-traumatized the person saying it. Mm. The brother. Yeah, that's what and, it sounds like. And I think he was, a, like. yeah, he was aware of the fact that it really, he, and you could see him interestingly kind of try to rationalize it from the perspective of his brother. But as I was watching, I was like, well, they're identical twins. So I bet that's like ingrained in them. I bet like if you're, I don't know, I'm not an identical twin, but I imagine if you're an identical twin, you can you can confuse sometimes what's going on with the other with yourself. And I think he kept going back and forth. I'm like, well, I did this to protect him, which was really coded for him saying I was protecting myself from mm. having to confront what was going on. And if he's the only guy who was ever going to tell this guy, I mean, it's just a, a moral and ethical conundrum from any way you look at it, and a truly horrible situation. Yeah, yes. I need to see it because there's lots of, like, I've got lots of questions, but I think I need to watch it, and then I can fill in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Point being, um, there was something to the idea of not being able to yes. confront the truth, having yes. me just, having just watched it, the mirror yeah. phase, identical twin, well, trauma, yeah, a, yeah, memory also, loss. Yeah. Yeah. All of that's in it. All of that's Because I see what you're saying. If he just told him, then and he didn't have the memory associated with it, he would have probably been able to, to better handle it because the actual... Well, yeah, I'm wondering what, like, how, what, how could he speak it? Like, that's what I'm interested in. How, so it sounds like the way it's being described is the, the brother had had symbolized what had happened to him in the past and was just not giving that that symbolic dimension to his brother. I don't know that's what symbolized, yeah. Was, yeah, that doesn't sound right, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. It's okay. pretty, pretty, it sounds like, uh, yeah, just watch it. Okay. But it's and, and the yeah or like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly. If watch a Marvel movie, watch Loki. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. The yeah. and also sorry for the total oh, yeah. tangent. Back to Tara. Let's pull some cart now. Uh, <laughs> let's light yeah. some candles and pull some cart. Yeah. But you know, yeah, but and everything you're saying is it does bring back to. It sounds like the documentary is about how how difficult the truth is. The truth, how difficult yes. the truth is to handle, and the ethical responsibility, which is how I felt about my friend. And it's when, whenever I see this stuff, there's a responsibility going like, well, how much do I, if I see a truth, do I speak it to my friend? Do I say, listen, this is what I think's going on, this is what I think you're wrestling with, da da da? Or to what extent do I go, well, no, that's, I shouldn't do that because you've put all of this onto the 9 11 truther. Movement because you precisely can't yeah, let it. it do the work. So let it do the work, and and then what I can do is I can. But then is this deceptive? Where I go, okay, I can use this information to very help to kind of guide some questions and be a good friend. But is that deceptive? Or you know, so it's a so it, that's why in psychoanalysis is good because you're contractually engaged. Like you're literally saying to the analyst, you know, you can confront me with my truth gradually over time, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to happen. Pain for pain. Yeah, but with a friend, it's it's a bit different because it's like, you know. Um, yeah. But but yeah, but it's all about um, the truth is too much. The truth is too much. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't repress. That's what repressing it. Repression, disavowal, and foreclosure. Three mechanisms for avoiding the truth. Well, let's hit him. Let's hit him. Okay. Repression, I know that one. Yeah, repression, that's the basic one. Disavowal, I know what it is, but I don't believe in it. I don't want to hear about it. Yes. It's just I, a little joke. Yes. Yeah, but it's kind of like, it's like disavowal is I know very well that, nevertheless. So you know the truth, but you also 
So with, with, with repression, you deny a truth and it comes up in another scene. It comes up in anger at your parents. I mean, my understanding would be repression, you're truly not even conscious of it, but we might differ here in that, like, you, you're you saying repression is, because that's like a subconscious thing, right? If you're just saying, I don't want to think about that, that's not quite repression, because yeah. I feel like people confuse the two. Yes. And they think, oh, I repressed it. But it's like, no, you just didn't pay it. You just, you're just not thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, repress. Like, but real repression is like, it gets in there. Yeah. And then the Freudian notion of repression is, repression is what, the, the affect just f- kind of finds a different outlet. So repression is weirdly always on the surface. It's yeah, kind yeah. of, it always, re- so that's called the return of the repressed. Yeah, so it's, you're right, it's not something you push down so much as, um, uh, like for example, somebody might really hate somebody at work called uh, John, but it turns out their grandfather was called John, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is the, the name, the affect, their hatred of, their, their grandfather has been put onto this other person. They've got no idea why, but there is a connection yeah. and that's repression. It's like, oh, the affect is there, the anger, or you cry over an advert for no reason, cry over something really silly. You're not crying over something, you're crying some, over something that you've dislocated yeah. from. My, uh, my grandfather was named Ben Shapiro. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I hate Ben Shapiro. Uh, what's the other one? What's the turd? Oh, They're you don't like the guy he does, he goes to colleges. You don't yeah, like him, I don't like, I don't like Crowder very much, right, but yeah. maybe oh, I, I think he's not doing well, so I want to wish him best health-wise, but I don't appreciate mm-hmm. his content or his stances on anything or the way he talks or treats people or is in the world or goes about the, his <laughs> general demeanor, The you know, even the way he dresses and his aesthetic appeal, I think, is sort of hammering home very sort of antiquated version of masculinity. It's doing more damage than good so but but my grandfather's name was Stephen Crowder so I can't yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't say it's really it might be me maybe he's yeah. really cool I don't know no I don't give yeah. crap I'm not here to talk crap about that type of stuff when no. I'm I, I don't think on the uh podcast about tarot I want to lay in people <laughs> <laughs> about political yeah. stuff yep. because there's a little part of you oh, no this is not I'm not going to say Huge this but part. there's a part of you that enjoys the the pure, the kind of the the, the synchronicity of yes. tarot, right? Oh yes, the so mystical. You, you know, the the I probably uh, sound too reductive. No, no, no. I don't think you do at all. Yeah. I think the whole the whole point is that both can be applied at any given uh, moment. Like yeah. I think that's the beauty of this type of stuff is no one is forcing anybody to take any particular stance when it comes to this kind of thing. If you get something out of it, great. And then you can dissect what you got out of it and why you got something out of it. And that's when I think you start entering into the belief world and sort of the maybe philosophical world, I guess, of like, oh, this is whatever. Now, I happily will, uh, I love all this stuff. I mean, any kind of thing that has a spirituality to it, I'm drawn to it. I I think it adds a certain color to life. Uh, I believe in it. I think it's beautiful. I can also, weirdly enough, go... Yeah, probably not. Yeah, especially it de- just depends on my mood. Like I'll be like, if it's a day where I'm exhausted and like, you know, like just so feeling overwhelmed or stressed out or something, I don't want to. Do, I don't wanna do any of it. It, was, it feels so trite and silly and like not uh, all, too escapist. Mm-hmm. Too like, oh, I don't need to deal with my problems because I can go, you know, uh, be woo woo in some way. Uh, but other times. We want to have some fun. We want to get, it's my kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's a kind of fun that can knock you 
on your off your ass. That's, that's my, a very. I don't. That's the only kind of fun I know. Yeah, but it's like he like, says. Well, he takes a sip of gin. <laughs> but I, th- those are my favorite things. Like whenever you go to a musician for entertainment, but then when you're listening to them, they confront you with your own life or when you hear a comedian and you again you go to comedy to kind of escape from the difficulties of life but a good comedian maybe makes you think about your life but in a kind of way that makes it easier tarot is one of those things that can be a fun entertaining thing but can kind of like confront you with with a truth and that's that indirect communication where where you get like destabilized without kind of expecting it that's, yeah. that's great. It's wonderful. Yeah, and it's also a great way, I think, to get to know people, and it's a great oh, yeah. way to get to know yourself because you get to go like, uh, I don't know, if you can walk away from any kind of social or fun type of hangout and then go, that felt more uh, enriching than just small talk or bits. I mean, I have, I have a few social circles, and some of them are very, so funny, just brilliantly mm-hmm. funny. Uh, and then sometimes it becomes like uh, not a lot of depth to it. And I think certain things like tarot, certain things, anything like that, where you're sort of doing ice, it doesn't have to be that either. It can be ice break, where you're getting to know people and giving space for more of people's full, the fullness of their personality. I think that is something that should be embraced. And do I still think it's all a little bit creepy sometimes? Absolutely. <laughs> do I think it's a little scary? Sure. But uh, like, yeah. 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 Do you know what I used to do, right, when I was 17 and I had this kind of... Where's this going? Yeah, well, yeah. So that this religious event and then my found object was at the time, Whoa. you know, confessional Christianity <laughs> okay. to give me a kind of an understanding of what had happened. But that allowed me to do, uh, to read people and call it prophecy. So I would go out on the streets and would go up to strangers and wow. tell them about themselves. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and what it was kind of crazy whole, what would happen. It's so, that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it was very, like, you really kind of, because people tell you so much by how they're looking, and you don't even know, I didn't know I was doing it. Yeah, you can read but, people. But, you're very yeah. good at reading people. Yeah, you're very good at reading uh, the tarot cards. I mean, uh, you have a brain you can pick up on, you're listening to people, and you you are a listener when people talk. It's a very good quality about you, and so I think it's it makes total sense. Oh, yeah. so I can be time. reductive too, see? Oh, yeah, very good. The that truth was, is yeah. that you are in line with the chakras or <laughs> yes, some shit. Yes, right. I have the magic. <laughs> yes, uh, I, uh, I hadn't actually thought I had the magic. Yeah, I would do tarot. Can you, know? you imagine being your age now and doing that? Well, I, you would I do it I under version, your... I think I do right. it yeah, yeah. But would, could you really, you could do it? You could walk up to people, even if it's like a... You know, well, no, I'd, I I would want it to be permission based. I thought I was a little bit, you know, you're 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 pr- you're trying to confront people with things that they haven't agreed. Oh to. man, that was so, so. crazy. Yeah, this, I remember being a teenager and being like, I got to tell everyone. I got to tell everyone about Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to confront them, <laughs> and quickly you're like, nobody wants to hear about that. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to you about Jesus. Nobody wants to talk to anybody about Jesus that is just approaching them. But, but they want to hear about their truth. That's the thing. So if you can Maybe. tell someone their truth, which, uh, by the way, and, and the truth sets you free, like when you're confronted with your truth, it, uh, you know, it, it definitely can be confronting and destabilizing, but in the right way, it makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. It makes you, you make better decisions in your love life and in your work life. Um, even Freud talks about it. He, there's a great throwaway line he has in one of his, um, I think it's the introduction to psychoanalysis, whatever these 
lectures he gave, but he, he just throws out these examples of, you know, talking to somebody and like there was a woman who, um, she was about to get married and she said the wrong name of who she was getting married to. And, um, you know, Freud just mentioned at the time, says, you know, I kind of thought, oh dear, you know, that's not really going to work out. And, you know, it didn't work out or whatever. But the point is um, that he's always, uh, he was so good at hearing Freudian slips. Yep, yep. <laughs> it was named after him. That the things that, but if you're confronted with your Freudian slips, if you're confronted with it, you just make better decisions. You kind of get to know yourself better. You flow with your life better. You can change things and yeah so it is very useful it is very freud useful. actually you may not know this freud was basing that story off of a scene from the show friends in which ross is having his wedding and uh, they're at the altar and he accidentally says uh you know the rachel and oh. everybody goes <gasps> and uh causes a big thing the wedding falls apart guess who ross ends up getting with rachel, rachel. oh very good that's where freud got that from yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, seinfeld or not seinfeld friends was a pretty freudian not really I, <laughs> that but that's that's funny that they did that that shows by the way this is used even in popular tv yeah. and movies um and it, i'm trying to think i saw a movie recently and it did it where it's very clever where a movie can have a character talking about something else on a different scene, but it's shot in such a way that you know that they're talking about themselves. Oh, it's the best, yeah. You know, that, so it's, it's very good. Obviously, that was a very, very in-your-face one, like yeah. at the wedding. But it's it, it shows that we all understand how projection works. We, yeah. all, we all kind of get the, the, the dimension of it. We just know the words and the people who thought, think of these things. It's all, everyone knows it. Everyone yeah. just goes, oh, yeah, no, I don't, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oops. Oops, you know, that's Didn't why people get annoyed. Like if you, if someone has a Freudian slip and says the wrong name of, instead of their partner's name, somebody else, you kind of get annoyed because the person says, well, that's not what I intended. And in psychoanalysis, it's not what you intend. It's important. It's what you say. And so everybody knows that you're betraying a desire. Now it might not be the desire to be with the person, but it, it's a, it, but you are portraying a desire yeah. and the other person knows it. That's why they get annoyed. Because if it was truly, if there was no jouissance within it, then the person would just be like, "Oh yeah, you made a mistake," but 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 you know we can tell that there's there's a message within it. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. My favorite thing is when I hear any kind of Freudian slip, I just keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just go, mm -hmm. Yes, right. yeah. Note it. Don't say anything. They'll get mad at you. Yes, don't say it. Don't or say they'll it. laugh don't it off, and yeah. they won't be. That's equally bad. Yes. They don't really these things. They just wait it out. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I always make it. I like. I always kind of try and assess: is it a Freudian slip that's funny enough? Or is, it yeah, too, yeah. or is it too close to the truth? If it's yeah. not too close to the truth, I'll mention it. And if it is, I'll just let it slide. It's a balancing <laughs> yeah. act. Really, all this boils down to just fun. We're just having yeah. fun. Uh, uh, that's all great. Well, um, oh, yeah. I another so, thought about the, but I don't remember those. No, I don't remember what it was. Have you got any takeaways then? What are our takeaways? Well, I've had a great time with this episode, Pete. First of all, I had such a great time when you came over. Thank oh, you so it much was for a doing blast. it. My it gosh, was a real love blast. you, dude. You're so much so, fun. It's also just I was so you guys are my favorite people, and yeah. you I got to see. I was so fun. I was just like, oh, it's yeah. so nice. So do it again. That was very magical, um, very special. You yeah. probably won't. We won't ever let you read the tarot again for not because you're bad at it, yeah. uh, but because you're. <laughs> yeah, um, it was too much. Yeah, too much. It was too much truth. Oh, hanging out with Peter Rollins can be too much truth. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, no, it was all very fun. Thank you so much for doing it. And um, yeah, uh, I say, uh, I think if you're going to do this type of thing, I think, first of all, if you're not going to do it, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it. My goodness, you don't need it. It's fine. I think if you do want to do it, if your interest has been peaked, 
take it seriously. Have a good time with it. Treat it, you know, don't, don't download an app or something. Like, go for it because it's a nice way to be able to talk to another human. And it's also goofy. Yeah. It's so goofy. And you didn't mention the weird, like, there's, there's a funny weird thing, which, you know, I think is just kind of, I think, coincidence forever, but it was funny that I, you were showing me around the house and we went into your office and in your office's bookshelf and you said, oh, there's your book, The Divine Magician. And then we went from the office into the other room. We did the tarot, and then Grace turns over the the, the, magician, the magician and yeah. says, "This is the first time I've ever had this card." And you were like, "That's weird." And then and it came up a couple of times, and it came up the next day. So, well, <laughs> there's more. To, okay, well, okay, we'll just extend a little longer here <laughs> because there's more to. I, I don't. I'm not want to chalk myself up to somebody who thinks that every coincidence is a synchronicity, and. I have my little sort of pithy guidelines for it, typically being that it needs to be two or more at oh, the same yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but prior to you coming over, uh, Grace was nervous and she was, you know, trying to to get to know you via Instagram. And I was like, good luck. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. And then she looked at your Instagram. She's like, it's cool. She's like, it kind of looks like a magician. And then no when way. that popped up, that's why I like grabbed her. I was like, you remember when you said anything kind of looks like a magician? He's got a magician sort of, Brand basically, and uh, and then yeah, you I came swear, over, no and then I showed you the one book I have of yours on display because the others I keep under my bed, uh, <laughs> under my pillow at night. Uh, it was the Divine Magician, and then you got the Magician card, and then you left a bunch of stuff out uh, when you oh, left yeah. like a phantom. That's right. Yeah. And so there was more than one thing going on, and also you are a magician, so yeah. There you go. Very good. That's my takeaway. <laughs> so what's my takeaway? Yeah, just. Guess what I was saying, which is the truth sets us free, but our truth is too traumatic. And so we need ways to confront it. And sometimes we do it by putting it onto another scene entirely, talking about someone else's relationships or some other thing that's going on in the world or whatever. Uh, and then sometimes it's a it's it's like the tarot, which is slightly better, where you you do put it out to the tarot cards, but then you're listening to them. So you try to kind of reclaim what's being said. And uh, uh, if we can have rituals in our lives that allow us to confront our truth, we'll probably be healthier for it. How about that? There you go. Oh, I do have one more takeaway. Oh, yeah, the thing brilliant. that Freud said about cures just help you work and love better or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. I think that's a nice cop out because that's not what, um, that doesn't mean they're curing anything. It just means that they're just, you know, sort of boosting along your pathology a little bit. <laughs> I think that's very fun. Uh, but it's also very true yeah. because you can't fix any of this stuff. And on that note, goodbye. Bye-bye.